0: The people around us are remarkable, and all it takes are a few questions to discover something intriguing or inspiring. Welcome to T-Town Stories, a show dedicated to the one and only Tuscaloosa and hosted by Quana. You can call him Q. He'll be queuing up questions to locals with diverse experiences and backgrounds. This is our town and our stories. This is T-Town Stories. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. T-Town Stories launched two weeks ago, and in the past 14 days, you have given T-Town Stories nearly 500 downloads, over 500 Facebook followers, and more interview suggestions than I can handle. Thanks for your support in these very early days. This podcast is a local support and community building initiative, and I can't wait to continue to see your stories told and heard. Today's interview is with Alyssa Hubbard. Alyssa is the author of several works, mainly in the dark fiction genre. Her works include, and I'll just list them, The Mind, The Body, An Austrian March, To Human and Their Creations, and the Apocalypta series. Alyssa is also a poet. She's been featured in a number of literary magazines such as Crack and Spine, Scissors and Spackle, The Highlander, and most recently, she was published in Alabama's Best Emerging Poets. She attended the University of Alabama, majoring in English and minoring in creative writing. Alyssa is actually a co-worker of mine. We both work in the digital marketing department at Randall Riley. And if I were to give Alyssa a tagline at work or probably just in general, it would read like this. Always happy to help. She uses that phrase consistently at work. And I've personally needed her help on several projects at work. And she is indeed always happy to help. And today I'm happy for you to hear her story. Well, I'm excited, Alyssa. You're my uh, second official interview of this thing we're starting called T-Town Stories. I'm truly honored. Well, I am honored to be sitting here with you to explore uh, your journey and excited about the opportunity for others to uh, be able to listen as well. Well, you are, you are an author. You're a poet. Um, you're much more than that. I work with you. I've seen other uh, skills you have. But I do want to zero in on a big part of your life, your published works, your your authorship. Uh, and I want to explore, how did you get started?
1: Well, so I had always wanted to be a writer. It was always, you know, somewhere on my life path, at least as far as I thought. <laughs> um, I thought right. You know, good for me.
0: Um, so you're saying from even like elementary age? Yes, definitely.
1: Oh, awesome. Um, I've been writing little stories and stuff forever. Um, Not always good, but, you know, stories all the time. Um, So I guess I really got serious about it freshman year of college. Um, I went to the University of Alabama. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide. Um, And I started, actually, with a major in history on the pre-law track. All right. And um, as it's been made clear, that's obviously not what I ended up doing, Um, with good reason. I actually started, like, my first semester... Made it halfway. I was taking some pre-law classes just to get started, see what I thought about it. And one day I came home crying (laughs) to my grandmother. and I was, oh, Grandma, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Oh, no, (laughs) what am I going to do? And she's, well, listen, you know you can just change, right? Mm -hmm. It's always okay to change your mind. Um, That's what I did. Um, The next day I opted to change my major, and so English it was. Never regretted it. Not a single regret. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Well, describe in, in your writing... Um, I think this is always a good question to ask creatives and specifically writers. Describe the process behind your writing. Where do you get your inspiration? Typically, I build everything
1: around a specific character. Characters are super important. Mm -hmm. And we're surrounded by just a whole host of them every day. That's right. Um, And all it takes is a conversation. So I'll have a conversation with someone. I'll hear hear their story. And maybe, you know, of course, I don't want to plagiarize anyone's story. But hearing this character and how they interact with people on the day-to-day, even just a small, you know, oh, they do this whole thing with their hand when they walk by someone, you know, they do a little wave every time. Mm-hmm. So Something just as minute as that could just blossom into this, yeah. you know, ooh, unique character, right. you know. so Right. Um, that's typically how I start. I found that I, I typically start with the character, and then right. from there build the world around them.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're just paying attention.
1: <laughs> I try. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I love that you... You were hitting on some really key things that I am currently thinking about as we are in the very early stages of T-Town Stories as a, a podcast. You said something about characters being the key. And... I hope that's the case here with what we're doing. Characters are going to carry this thing for us. Yeah. So I I love what you're I love what you're laying down um, as far as your inspiration. Um, by the way, keep listening. You might hear some interesting cr- stories on this podcast. You might be an inspiration for your next story. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, as I recently learned, um, very recently here at work, uh, something I didn't know about you, despite working together. For a while, I recently learned um, that your sister, Elizabeth, is a two-time cancer survivor. And you were recorded saying, as I've read online, that she is your greatest inspiration. (laughs) And when I read those two things together, I just had to ask, please tell us a bit about your sister and tell us why she is your greatest inspiration.
1: I would absolutely love to. Um, So, like you said earlier, Elizabeth is a two-time cancer survivor. Um, she was diagnosed with medulloblastoma, which is a, um, wouldn't say common, but it's a childhood brain cancer specifically. Um, first time around. And unfortunately I was like four when this happened. So my, my memory of it's kind of foggy, (laughs) but, um, she was diagnosed medulloblastoma. They were able to essentially cure her, you know, air quotes, cure her. Um, and all was well until she was four. And when they went back, they found that the cancer had actually spread to her spine and it just wasn't looking good. Um, as I'm sure you can imagine, I mean, you got to think this, a child four years old is already fairly small. Um, we're talking like stick, like you look at her and she's just this little waif of a human just Mm. laying there. Like there's not much left of her Mm. essentially. Um, and you know, it sounds real sad and all that, but really with, With Elizabeth's story, she's part of the reason stem cell research is so huge in Alabama. Really? Um, When she was four, going through all that, my parents were pretty much given a choice. Take her home, let her go with you, and just see how long she has. Um, Pretty much a a death sentence. You know, that sounds harsh, but that's essentially what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we can try stem cell and see what we can do with it. Um, They did. Uh, my mom is a fighter <laughs> through and through. Right. Um, and was she, this in Birmingham? Yes. Okay. Yes, this was a children's hospital, actually. Um, and my mom a, was a huge fighter. That was never an option to take her home. That just was not going to be the case. Um, if Elizabeth had any life to live, we were going to fight for it, essentially. So they went through it. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the chemotherapy and stuff before that caused a lot of um, issues that we still deal with today. Hmm. Um, But I'm happy to say that she is still alive today. Wow. Um, From four years old, she is now, let's see, how old am I? (laughs) She is now 24. She'll be 24 on the 17th of this month.
0: Wow. Live and kicking. What a lot to go through in your first, you know, well, your whole life, but especially your first four years.
1: Oh, I know. Haven't wow. even really lived a life yet. That's right. Um, and there's a lot of strength in that. And just and you'd think a person who'd, who's gone through that might be a little weaker, um, maybe both in body and personality. But her personality, oh, my gosh, she's a spitfire. Um, that's awesome. Don't you dare ask for her opinion because she's going to give it to you. Okay. <laughs> so if you have hurt feelings, that's a oh well. <laughs> she's going to let you know. That's great. Um, there's been many a time I've gone to see her and she gives me a hug and gosh Lizzie, you've gotten so fat.
0: <laughs> no way.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, she does not hold back. Um and there's I think while yes, she probably just doesn't have a filter, sure. Right. Um I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that she just de- doesn't we don't know how long she has. Right. I mean she has a lot of unique health issues due to all this. Um So she just
0: owns it. Yeah. Right. She she and doesn't have time.
1: So just spend what you got. As soon as you have the second go ahead and say what you got to say. And there's something really inspirational about that, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you see someone like that, it's certainly got to be an inspiration. Well, most of your publications are in the dark fiction genre. Uh, Did you start out in that genre? Have you evolved? Um, If so, what factors encouraged that evolution?
1: I definitely started in the dark fiction just because, not to get all edgy and stuff, but I've always been a little dark, you know,
0: (laughs) even as like a elementary school. Or is that something that, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm real big into anime, (laughs) Okay. which, um, might be a little nerdy. Of course. Um, if you haven't figured that out already, I am a little nerdy. Um, but I'm real big into anime and stuff. And a lot of the anime that came over to the U S early on, um, I was probably like five or six when I first started watching, like, There are these titles called, like, Dot Hack Sign and um, Neon Genesis Evangelion. And even if you've never seen them before, they're pretty iconic. So you've probably seen the characters shared around. Um, But regardless... They were super dark. And maybe I wasn't supposed to watch those (laughs) back then.
0: So maybe influenced Um, you early on. Yes, definitely. I got you.
1: Um, I still do tend to lean towards the dark, but I've gotten a little closer to the light side (laughs) (laughs) over time. You know, got to get my karma balanced out, you know.
0: (laughs) What is it, though, about the dark fiction that really enthralls you? Um, And it's not just you. This is a huge genre in the world. Yeah, (laughs) No no doubt. What is it about that genre that... Appeals to people.
1: Well, I think we all start out like in school and stuff where we're presented with, you can do anything, you know, anything is possible. And sure, there is some truth in that. I mean, if you, if you have the mindset, if you have the means, you can achieve anything, you know, your heart desires, essentially. Um, Of course, hard work goes into that and all, all kinds of stuff. But we're presented this really idealistic, you know, outlook on life and how life is going to be. And in reality, it's not always that good there aren't always good people around you not always good characters so to speak Mm -hmm. um and i think we like to expose ourselves to that the realities and and maybe that the dark the dark fiction may not depict reality you know it could be a ghost or something you know something like that but there are people out there that you know, scare us there are things out there that are scary Mm -hmm. and we're we're frightened of them things that we don't know about a lot of our fears come from the not knowing so maybe we're trying to learn about those things through dark fiction we're trying Mm -hmm. to experience them before we have to in reality (laughs) or something
0: like that that's the interesting thing about this genre you know in your when you're watching this genre Mm. it's usually you're screaming with people Right. Or you're going through a haunted house and it's always with, there's something about that. It's interesting when you read it, though. You're right. You just made me realize that you're typically going to be alone. There's a level of commitment there that is really unique. Um, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> if you ever need a recommendation, I got you. <laughs> okay.
0: It's interesting uh let's let's talk about someone else in this genre stephen king in my research i've uh i saw it mentioned several times uh, that he was one of your favorite authors which you know i don't uh, think you're surprised that i'm gonna say (laughs) that's no surprise um even people who don't read that genre a lot knows who stephen king is he's a a giant in uh, in literature but obviously a giant in that genre of of dark fiction well um, I'm sure you have several others you can mention and feel free to do so but beyond the name of an author, what is it specifically in your favorite authors that you can't get enough of what are what are they doing that just captivate you and draw you in and uh, make you name them as their favorite as your favorite author I
1: feel like well, we're going to see a trend here. I feel like the characters are key. Mm-hmm. So um, one of Stephen King's less, lesser known um, novellas, actually, is The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. And it's essentially a tale of a little girl. Um, she goes on, I think it's a camping trip or maybe a hike, something to that effect. They're, they're going out in the wilderness together. Um, and she ends up getting lost off the trail. And she stays out in the woods for, we're talking, days. And all she has is this radio that her dad gave her. And Tom Gordon is a prolific baseball player. And she loves listening to baseball. And all she has is this radio, and she's just listening to Tom Gordon's voice. And that's the only thing that gets her through it. Um, And it gets to the point where you know the radio, spoiler alert, (laughs) the radio ends up going out. And um, she still hears his voice. So there's something just... you're very close to her and like you're rooting for her and all that kind of stuff. But then you get attached to Tom Gordon too. Like you're on this journey. You don't want Tom Gordon's voice to stop either. And there's something really powerful about these voices. These people, they seem really, really present
0: and there's weight to them, you know? Interesting. Um, He is so prolific. What an imagination. Uh, Looking back on your, um, on your work, on your, uh, journey up to this point. Are there any reviews of your work, uh, and they can be positive or negative? Um, but I want to know: has any of those stuck with you? And if you don't mind sharing, well, what were they, and what what about it stuck with you? I've had a good good bit of reviews, um, both good and bad.
1: I'm typically the type of person that does. I've very rarely believe the good. I know that sounds horrible, but I do, and I take to heart the negative, I won't say bad, because I feel like even if they're not constructive at first glance, maybe there's some some inkling to be gleaned off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you become a published author, whether you do the indie route or the traditional route or um, you do shorts, poems, whatever, um, there's always something else to be learned. I mean, Stephen King, he had his novel Carrie Which became the very popular film, Carrie. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe he sent it out a total of 14 times before it got published. Really? Yes. So even the most prolific of authors um, has something to learn. And one of my favorite (laughs) reviews I've ever gotten um, someone read an Austrian March um, and they left a review calling it boring. (laughs) And I, of course, laughed. (laughs) Yeah. But it's. the fact that they called it boring just kind of told me, you know, how many different views there are in the right. world and how many perspectives there are. You know, I could write something that I think is just, you know, heart-wrenching and emotional and very um, internalized and just, you know, painful. And I, I imagine readers, when they read it, are, you know, oh, just sobbing over <laughs> the pages. Um, I'm very humble, as you can tell. Yeah. Um but then to get some a review that's like, yeah, this is boring. I could barely finish it, <laughs> that mm. type of thing. But I find that, you know, you start out your biggest critic. You mm-hmm. know, you're very hard on yourself. I definitely am. I mean, I'm just going to be real. I'm very hard on myself. Yes, um. I am. Once you start putting your work out there for others to judge and be negative towards you, you find your inner voice to be softer, I think, mm. because you realize, well, you know, okay, so they are legitimizing my, you know, negative feelings. They're saying, oh, yeah, it is boring, you know, all these fears I had. But you can you can grow from it then. And, right. And once you admit to yourself that maybe your faults, you know, you have faults.
0: Everyone has faults. Right.
1: Um, they can't hurt you anymore. That's right.
0: <laughs> though. And one of the things you can look at is, you know, who doesn't get any negative critiques is people who don't do anything. Exactly. Who don't put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And so – you can look at their negative critique and just be proud that you put it out there you put yourself out there you did the work it took to to go public I appreciate you sharing that the the review is there any positive that you would any positive comments or reviews that you just that stuck with you that um, almost served as a as a enticement to move forward and hear more things like that
1: oh definitely um I was really really proud there was this um i was on tumblr for a long time tumblr was like my place i <laughs> loved hanging out on tumblr um and someone had actually reviewed my um book on tumblr it was the apocalyptic series first one she'd read it and she put it on there you know i just i felt so in tune with the main character i really rooted for her you know she she felt like a friend and all this kind of you know and That just really (laughs) that hit home. I was like, okay, I can create characters that are real, you know, that that speak to people, because there's so many stories I've read, you know, over my lifetime that just I still recall and think back, and I'm just like, yes, you know, they they changed my life.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well. You reminded me. I, I last night I actually sat down and got to read several chapters of that very book. <laughs> that character is from Tuscaloosa, right? She is. Yes. Yeah. I opened it up and I saw, and you, you were, you went right home, you went, <laughs> and I loved it because I, it helped for me being a Tuscaloosa resident almost put myself in the in the plot, and um, and so I can resonate, even though I didn't get to read a little, bit, I can resonate with that review. I'm so honored. Thank you. Yeah, and now I want to finish it. I started it, and I wanted to kind of get a feel since I've not Mm -hmm. read um, uh, anything beyond your poetry until last night. I I dove in. Well, now that – since you've talked about feedback, um, reviews, uh, let's kind of – Stay in that same vein. Have you ever received some priceless advice from a fellow author or, you know, professor? Um, what was it? Um, I, I ask because maybe somebody else might glean from that very advice. And maybe you have some advice of your own that you would like to share. I'd mm. love to hear that too.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I'm honored that you suggest I have advice to share. Um, well, just to get my advice out of the way. If there are any prospective writers listening or anyone who is considering doing so, join Twitter, please. The writing community is huge there, and the support is unending. So mm-hmm. if ever you're scared of you know, starting to write, putting your words out there
0: on paper, whether it's starting a blog, doesn't matter mm. – um, and you and you are on Twitter, I and I saw that you were consistently pumping out just encouragements for writers. So <laughs> I was going to ask you to do this at the end, but go ahead and tell us how they can find you on Twitter.
1: Oh, you can find me at LissyWrites. Um, Lissy is my nickname. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm short for Lissa, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, but advice from much more prolific people than I. Um, my last semester of college, um, as we kind of discussed earlier, I switched to an English degree with a minor in creative writing. Those creative writing classes were just invaluable. Um, and I highly encourage you if you ever get the chance to, you know, sign up for any creative writing course you can. Um But I had, it was my last semester, about to graduate. I was taking my final creative writing class. I didn't
0: need it, but, you
1: know, I loved it, so I was going to take it.
0: That's when you know you 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 chose the right path. That's
1: right, when I'm just taking classes Mm -hmm. just to take them. Um, And I had a professor. um, The class was actually called ghost writing. And you may think immediately, you know, like, You know, ghosts, actual, like, people covered in sheets, you know, (laughs) boo, that type of thing. Um, But it was a lot more than that. The class itself um, was about the traces people leave behind, so the ghosts of, like... Going around looking in neighborhoods, moving into a home, and and seeing you know a little smudge on the wall, not really knowing what it's from this, this ghost, this remnant of a person
0: that might have stayed there, stuff like that. So, the ghost and all of you know. So it was. Everything. I, so I went a whole different way. I was thinking like <laughs> ghostwriting is another name for like writing for somebody else, right? Yes,
1: yes. And oh, um,
0: so I would have signed up for the wrong class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a
0: lot of people did. Okay.
1: Um, I think we we should have reconsidered the name of that course, but. Um, I'm really glad I took it. It was fabulous. But
0: um, he... Well, especially for what was already speaking to you at that time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I'd taken a lot of, like, um, classes on, like, nature writing and all very great forms of writing. But that really just spoke to me. Um, But that professor in particular, he held these um, end-of-the-year kind of meetings. Um, We had to bring a piece of writing in that we'd worked on for either a long time or at least throughout the course of this class. Um, and I brought in a piece I had worked on since 2012, which was the end of my high school career. Um, and just to give some perspective, this was like 2016. So I'd been working on this for a long time. Um, and I brought it to him and I let him read it. He read it through and he said, yeah, this is good. I was, oh yes. You know, I was feeling validated. I was like, yeah, okay. I can get it published. And then he said, but why'd you bring it to me? I was like, you mean what i bring it to you there you told me to bring something i right. worked on he said well obviously there's something you still feel like needs to be worked on there's something else here hmm. do you feel like you could keep going with it i guess like, you know that's pretty smart if, hmm. if you keep looking at something there might be more that you just haven't explored yet right and i went back and i rewrote some of it i, I wrote like five or six more pages to it so there was still more story to tell wow um and I actually got to read that in Minnesota, representing the University of Alabama. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, his that
0: advice was invaluable. <laughs> that is excellent. Now you made me think of something that if you take that advice too far, you get mm. to the point where you struggle with perfectionism. Yes. <laughs> so where do you? How do you strike that balance? You know, when you give that advice, what do you preface it with?
1: That's something I still
0: haven't mastered. To this yeah. day, I'll still rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And that's how you write, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, some I've heard it said before. We write to learn. Yes. Yes.
1: Every time you rewrite something, you find some like just some kernel that was just like, oh, this was a weak sentence, or mm-hmm. you know, this character kind of flipped halfway through, you know, and you become much stronger. Your voice becomes much stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best way I can. I can figure to counteract that perfectionist mindset once you start rewriting, when do you stop type Mm -hmm. deal. Um, I found the best thing to do is once you've gone through like two rewrites, go ahead and send it out there. Just put it out in the world, Um, especially with short fiction and poems. They're so short (laughs) for a reason. Um, So it's not difficult. It doesn't take a lot of time to rewrite them and
0: do a revision right right
1: and they typically don't take as long to get published so when you send them out while you may still wait a year in comparison to a novel that could take like two years to right. years back um you're not really wasting time so to speak so you okay. might as well send it out there if you get a bite well great right <laughs> you know you
0: you stopped at the right time that's good well you are um and you can correct me if i'm wrong and you mentioned this earlier but you're an indie author correct Yes, I'm actually a mix now. Okay, you're a mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm curious about that, uh, and some other aspiring writers might be curious as well. What are the benefits of operating as such, and what are the constraints? I'm assuming some constraints. What are the constraints on a traditional author?
1: Well, the first reason one might choose to do indie, you own everything. So the moment you put it down to paper and publish it, that's yours. Okay. You 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 get to keep all the profit. You get to make all the creative decisions, and as someone who is super creative, that was super liberating to right. to be able to control what it looks like. You know, I got to you know imagine what the covers would look like and actually put that forth and right. all that kind of stuff. You you completely control the creative process. The only problem is you don't have that editing voice above your head. Right. <laughs> you know, telling you, oh, uh, no, I don't think that'll, <laughs> that'll right. sell. Uh, you probably shouldn't do that, that type of thing. Um, and you also don't have the backing of, you know, these, these prolific publications that people trust. Right. So you don't have Penguin behind you saying, yeah, this is mm-hmm. a great novel. You should buy it. Right. Um, so establishing yourself and making people, um, letting people know that when they spend money on your work, you're getting something worthwhile Hmm. you're getting quality um and that's with any product i mean if you're just starting out and you're selling stuff on your product on ebay you know people are kind of gonna look at and go well maybe not um but if you're selling it in like we have a store here called academy sports outdoors i Mm -hmm. used to actually work there (laughs) um so i always reference that in these cases but um when you sell something in Academy Sports and Outdoors, it comes with the Academy Sports and Outdoors name right. to it. So you already have a backing right. behind you. Um, so you kind of have to fight against either having a a backing, people behind you pushing for you, mm-hmm. or going out on your own, having full creative freedom
0: and just throwing it out there and hope it sticks. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's exciting that you're now kind of a boat. Uh, a uh, both and, um, well, one of the favorite things I get to do in preparing for an interview is stalk people online. <laughs> well, I read a tweet of yours from October of last year and it read like this it says, I'm not diagnosed, but I do suffer from imposter syndrome every day. I wait for someone to call me out and say, you're not a good writer. You're barely even a writer. It's hard to continue, but I must keep writing. And I love that tweet. I appreciate the candor, the courage in this note. I believe creatives and a variety of uh, passion pursuers can feel such fears. And so, for you, what is the best remedy to maintain your composure, if you will?
1: Man, own it. <laughs>
0: own it. Um,
1: like one it. of my favorite things to do. I have a very self-deprecating sense of humor. I'd like call myself out, um, and and that comes from a lot of you know insecurities and a lot of bullying everyone has experienced bullying that's just par for the course when growing up um but if you call yourself out on it if you find humor in it no one can hurt you (laughs) okay um if you admit to the world look yeah i i suffer from imposter syndrome i'm scared that people are going to tell me i'm a bad writer then when someone says oh well you're a bad writer well okay (laughs) yeah Um, but i'm a writer yeah but i am (laughs) i may be bad but at least i am
0: but you're not a bad writer by the way i'm so honored thank you yeah and so i i i really I, i pointed this out and i read that tweet because creatives struggle with this they struggle with feeling like they are not qualified they are not in that category it's other people who are um but it's creatives that move forward that end up being the things that we aspire to be Mm -hmm. Um, whether they're writers or um, you know whatever they are musicians so on and so forth and so um, imposter syndrome is such an interesting thing
1: yeah no doubt and and i think a lot of it stems from the fact that when you choose a creative field you're heavily relying on someone else telling you yeah this is good right your entire like anything you ever do in a creative field, you're always waiting on someone to say, "Yeah, this is good," as as if they're the you know gatekeepers to right, right. you know validation. Um, and there's some truth in that. You know, you're always gonna have people that tell you, "No, that's not mm-hmm. good. You you can't be but I can't tell you the amount of rejection letters I get <laughs> on mm-hmm. a day to day. Um, but those are all like stepping stones. You know, yeah. every time you get a rejection, that's just proof. That right. you're putting yourself out there, and it, exactly it's, exactly right. Yeah, it's not something to be
0: you know ashamed of. That's right. You can look back at anybody, and not even just in the creative realm. You can look back on in in history on anybody who did anything. Yeah, they didn't do it all perfect. <laughs>
1: yes, literally every human. That's, <laughs> the,
0: that's the human condition. Mm-hmm. That it's going to be broken, whatever we yeah. do. Uh, Alyssa, tell us how listeners can keep up with you.
1: Oh, yes. You can find me on Twitter again at LissyWrites. Um, you can find me at my blog, com, And every once in a while, I'll post on Instagram. So if you want to look at my beautiful face, you can find me at LissyWrites there as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you sitting down with me being the very your second in line. Uh <laughs> of something that we're starting here and that I can't tell you how much I appreciate you just uh, taking the time to sit with me, to allow me to have an outlet for my creative aspiration.
1: It's been an honor, (laughs) truly.
0: All right, listeners, we'll see you next time on T-Town Stories.